This is One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. It's a new week, and we are ever closer to the NFL Draft. Chris Brown, Matty Glad with you here on One Bills Live. We hope you all enjoyed fake summer over the weekend, those of you that live in western New York, because it is gone and who knows when it will return. I thought we had fake spring one, fake spring two. Steve and I have talked about this, Maddie. Last weekend, we experienced fake summer. 86 degrees. It felt so good. I was like an outdoor pet for the entire weekend. Oh, I was just, just laying in the sun. I was just and... outside. I wanted no responsibilities. I just wanted to be outside with my friends. That was my one responsibility yeah. for myself. This weekend, I accomplished it, got nine holes of golfing. It was great. Oh, that is good. Yeah, I was uh, doing the old outdoor spring cleanup thing, you know, getting the yard in order and finding out what's growing there that shouldn't be. And Mm. we have homeowner things. Yeah, a lot of homeowner stuff. We have an inordinate. Yeah, the only person that really relaxed this weekend was my dog. She sat (laughs) in the sun on the back patio without a care in the world. So she had it made. While my wife and I were doing stuff around the house for like the last two days. And then like eight o'clock last night, it was the end of days. Oh, my God. We lost power. That's wild. From uh, those severe thunderstorms that came through. Windy. And we didn't get power back till about three or four in the morning. And, you know, you're, you're in the middle of the night, and then all of a sudden, like, the hall light pops on again. It's like, oh, forgot to turn that off. But who knew it was on because the power was out. And then you're too lazy to get up to turn it off while it's shining mm-hmm. in your eyes. So that mm-hmm. that's yeah, that it was it was an interesting exclamation point to the weekend, and I'm convinced it's fake summer because on Tuesday here there's a chance of snow. Yep, and it's cold today, cold and gloomy. Yeah, I but went, you know what? It's not so cold because the players are back. That is right. The players, building players the boys are, back. are back in town. Voluntary off-season conditioning program begins today, and uh, players, you know, doing their workout thing which is really the majority of what they can do here in phase one of the off-season conditioning program. And some classroom time Mm -hmm. can be done as well, but no stuff on the field with the members of the coaching staff. It's pretty much just the strength and conditioning staff, and that is it. So just working on bulking up, getting their uh, conditioning ready so they can practice at a speed and a tempo that Coach McDermott likes them to practice with the proper amount of conditioning between now and the time OTAs roll around in just a few weeks, probably like mid-May or so is when they get started. And then the clock, the whole clock goes rolling again. And before we know it, we're going to blink. It's going to be June mini camp, and then training camp will be here, and we'll be going down the throughway to St. John Fisher. <laughs> oh, yeah. The next nine weeks are going to fly by because phase one is two weeks, phase two is three weeks, and then phase three is the rest of the nine weeks. Mm-hmm. So four weeks long, and that's when OTAs and all of that begins. And rookie minicamp is going to be here before we know it, too. Those rookies are going to be at One Bills Drive and experiencing their new home as the NFL draft is just a short two weeks away. Yeah, and there is Bills news as well. Mm -hmm. It had been reported by multiple sources since last week and became official today. A.J. Klein re-signs with the Bills. This is going to be his third stint uh, with the team, if you will, because he signed here originally as a free agent back in 2020, then was not here in 2022 uh, because he was released after the 2021 season in a salary cap maneuver. 
And then he got released by the Bears after spending time with the Ravens and the Bears last season. The Bills picked him up off waivers and had him for the last six games of the regular season in the playoffs. And, you know, a free agent after this year, back in the fold. And, you know, I think that veteran presence at the position that has been vacated by Tremaine Edmonds, who went, you know, off to Chicago in free agency, might have Bills fans breathing a little easier because nothing against Tyrell Dodson and Terrell Bernard, who are probably more than capable middle linebackers. I don't want to dismiss what they bring to the table. I just think A.J. Klein has a proven track record as a 10-year NFL veteran. Yeah, he he brings that veteran presence. He also brings the run-stopping ability that this defense sometimes needs when they decide to add a third linebacker on the field. And I know at times he was a part of just two linebackers on the field. He's somebody who has has made it through being on and off this team uh, several times. And he's a linebacker that I was not surprised to see him added back to this roster. I was kind right. of waiting for this to happen just because of what he provides to this team. And I think how the coaching staff and Sean McDermott really trust him. And his ties with Sean McDermott go all the way back to yeah. Carolina when he played there at linebacker in the same system. So a guy that, you know, walks in the door, knows the system like the back of his hand. Hey, let's not forget. I mean, last year they pick him up off waivers. He played a lot. Played in that Detroit game um, and lit it up. I mean, he had a great game um, making plays in the open field and whatnot. So I think he certainly showed he has a lot of gas left in the tank. So good to get him back in the fold for sure at a position, you know, that has a vacant starting job. And so that makes the competition at that position all the more interesting with, you know, the guys we mentioned already, Klein, Dodson, and Bernard, probably the prime players, at least for now. And then if another another one could be very well added in the draft, uh, which would only increase that competition all the more. And, you know, we'll have to wait and see what comes in the three nights of the draft and whether they add to the position again. Uh, so that's, that's the major news on the Bills roster front. Um, you know, and then... We anticipate uh, that we'll be hearing from Brandon Bean tomorrow. Uh, General manager set to address the media tomorrow. I don't think a time is out on that yet, but we're anticipating uh, he'll be addressing the media and probably answering draft-related questions, questions about the roster, stuff like that. So we'll have that covered for you here on the show tomorrow, if and when that takes place, and probably get a lot more answers on you know, what he thinks about the roster going forward and heading into the draft. As we know, he says this all the time, Maddie. He likes to fill as many holes as possible in free agency so he can kind of go into the draft with somewhat of a clear conscience, like, oh, my God, i got to get myself position X in the draft. He doesn't like going into the draft like that. And I think the A.J. Klein signing is another example of that. Yeah, we got to hear from him right after some of the first few free agency moves were made. Um, I think he spoke to us maybe two days after free agency started. Um, yeah, it was mid-March. When, when they had a few, they they had made a few ma moves, but um, there were several after he spoke as well. So I'm interested to hear from him and, and hear what he has to say on what he thinks of the guys that he's brought in in this free agency class and kind of where they stand ahead of the NFL draft and and hopefully we get to hear from a few players too it will be good to hear from those guys uh maybe josh allen as well yeah let's go around the nfl presented by collida health the official health care system of the buffalo bills the biggest news on the nfl front today 
is Jalen Hurts has signed his monster, or at least he's agreed to terms, on his monster contract extension. And I think we all anticipated that this was going to happen at some point. It wasn't a matter of if, more a matter of when. But it's a five-year, $255 million extension, $179 million of which is guaranteed. And it also contains a no-trade clause. So pretty interesting um, as to why the no-trade clause is what might be the most interesting thing of the whole thing to me, Maddie, because – I don't know, maybe his agents are like, well, we've seen this team turn on a quarterback before, Carson Wentz. Um, I wonder if that's why they kind of put it in there, like, you can't trade me to Team X, you know, send me to a barren wasteland in the NFL. <laughs> you can't send me to a crummy team. It's the first no-trade clause in Eagles history. Yeah, that's um, – I, I found that very interesting that it was included in the contract. It's mm-hmm. like, this team is committing to you for five years. They're giving you a giant amount of money, and you want a no-trade. <laughs> like, it was just, I don't know. It just, it struck me as strange. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because when franchise quarterbacks sign, and look, when some of these franchise quarterbacks get to the end of their careers, things change. Yeah, it's but not this like guy's he's gonna, old. Yeah, he's, he's going to get to the end of this deal and still be in his yeah. prime. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's why it, it struck me as strange as to why – I would assume he wanted it in there, especially since it's the first no-trade clause the Eagles have ever agreed to in a contract. So, um, I don't know. Maybe we'll get more clarity on it when they have the big formal press conference and he's asked about it. I'm sure he will be. Um, but he's locked up for the next five years with the Eagles, which probably makes every Philadelphia Eagles fan pretty happy. DeAndre Hopkins, the saga continues, Matty. Mm-hmm. We're, we're now at the point where DeAndre Hopkins is making news with facial expressions and body language. For those that don't know, DeAndre Hopkins was interviewed, (laughs) and he was told not to give verbal responses but just provide body language when he was asked a team in the NFL that he would like to be traded to. The first team that was posed to him were the New England Patriots. He kind of looked away, shrugged it off. The next team he was asked about were the Buffalo Bills. He smiled. And he kind of smirked and, you know, raised his eyebrows like, well, you know, it could happen. That'd be nice. (laughs) And then he was asked about the Jets, same reaction as the Patriots. And then he was asked about the Chiefs, same reaction as the Bills. So now it has been deduced that uh, DeAndre Hopkins would prefer to play for the Bills or Chiefs via trade at some point in 2023. Now, the thing about this, and, and he also tweeted out over the weekend, I don't want to raise. Well, good thing, bud, because you got You're 34 already making million. a lot of money. <laughs> you got 34 million left on your contract and base salary. Yeah. That's going to be hard for a lot of teams to fit with all the money that most of these teams have spent in free agency already. They all have to account and set aside money for their rookie class, you know, that they're going to scoop up in the draft. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's going to be a ch- I think it's going to be a challenge for just about any team to fit $34 million left in base salary over two seasons. Like, if he wants to spread that out, no new money, and put some of that into a, a bonus so they could spread out that money too, he gets money in his pocket guaranteed, well, then maybe something can be worked out. But I think even that would be an uphill climb for the Bills to, to fit. Yeah, when you relate it to the Bills and the cap space that they – have left, don't have left, however you want to phrase that. Uh, we knew it was going to be tight going into the NFL draft. 
per Brandon Bean from what he said at the Combine and what he said um, right after free agency. This is not a team who is a team that's trying to find their ways and trying to make their roster and, and, and trying to add these big-name weapons and pieces to be the foundation of, of something. This is a team that's already done that, and they're just trying to, to add the last final pieces. Would it be wonderful to have DeAndre Hopkins as, as one of those last pieces to this 2023 roster? It would be incredible. I would love it. I'd be such a big fan of that move. Um, but a lot of things would have to happen, I think, for that. Yeah. to start to come to fruition. And I mean, Brandon even said it, you know, at, right at the beginning of the offseason, like, don't look for big moves from us. He said Von Miller is our big move this year, too. Yeah. So I, I would be surprised if there was a way that such an arrangement was brokered. Stranger things have happened in this league, as we know. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody expected Von Miller last year either. And no. that came to fruition out of nowhere. Uh, when he expressed interest in joining the Bills. So I wonder if body language we'll equates see. to uh, Von Miller lobbing a phone call and saying, hey, I'd like <laughs> to play for you guys. Uh, so there's that that's still out there. Speaking of Cardinals wide receivers, the receiver formerly known as Robbie Anderson, now known as Chosen Anderson, has signed with the Miami Dolphins on a one-year contract. So the Dolphins add more speed to their receiving core that might be the – that trio is probably faster than anything that anybody else can put out on the field right now, uh, which is daunting. It's a daunting challenge for any NFL defense, and the Bills are going to have to look at it twice a year now. That's a pretty good trio. I imagine, Maddie, that the Dolphins probably don't sign Chosen Anderson if they were able to get Trent Shurfield back. But as we know, Trent Shurfield is now a Buffalo Bill, which kind of caught – by all reports and all accounts from South Florida publications, caught the team players by Mm -hmm. surprise uh, that Sherfield signed with the Bills. But there it is. And so now the Dolphins pivot and they sign Chosen Anderson, who, let's not forget, went complete head case in Carolina and got released under an interim coach down there. So, and then landed with Arizona. So it was just... I don't know. He's he seems very mercurial, very mercurial type of player based on his his recent history, especially. And this Dolphins team. Yeah, they have some speed. But the big question is going to be, can the guy throwing the rock stay healthy enough to get the ball to the speedy receivers that are going to be on the field? Right. I yeah, it'll be interesting Um, because he was such a difference maker for them when he was healthy. And we were talking about this last week. You know, the NFL is in partnership with that Vices company, and they've got the new quarterback mm-hmm. helmet. We're all expecting that two is going to be first in line to put that thing on because if it improves or reduces the rate of concussions, I think the study said by 7%, he'll take it. Anything to reduce the risk, he should be all about because after getting three, possibly four, with one undiagnosed in week three, um, concussions in a short proximity of time getting another one within the span of a calendar year would would not be good for the future of his playing career the Jets are trying to get their prized defensive lineman Quinnen Williams signed to a long-term contract extension they are making progress but nothing yet so he is not going to report to Jets voluntary offseason training today I mean this is a perennial Pro Bowl player and they signed his brother to a contract extension this offseason, the linebacker. Mm-hmm. 
who's on the roster, but they have not gotten the other brother signed up, who I would argue is probably the more important of the two players, <laughs> quite frankly. Um, so, yeah, do I think it'll get done? Yeah, eventually. You know what makes me wonder, Maddie? Mm-hmm. You're trying to get this Aaron Rodgers trade consummated. Yep. And there's going to be money that's going to have to be committed to that. And I wonder if some of the salary cap specialists in the Jets front office are like, look, before you start promising more and more and more money to Quinn and Williams, we got we got to figure out the Rodgers mm-hmm. thing and make sure that fits before we know how much, especially if he wants bonus money. You know, well, I want this much guaranteed or I want this much in a signing bonus. And it's like, well, I don't know if we can fit that right now. We may have to move some of that money around. Why don't we get Rodgers done first, then we'll figure out the rest of this with Quinn and Williams. I wonder if that's a part of the sticking point here. I mean, he's had 18 sacks in the last two seasons. He's been a productive player for this Jets defensive line. And I saw the alert come across my phone this morning, and it I didn't see the player's name so I oh, assumed it was Rodgers, like, oh, the two sides are still working on something, but, you know, there's no news, but we're still reporting that there's no news. So wonder if this Quinn and Williams news, not really that it is news that anything has happened, but I wonder if now that they're talking about Quinn and Williams, if a Rodgers deal is coming soon. Well, yeah, I mean, you and I were talking about it last week, and – Talking the clock about how is deadlines, ticking. how deadlines kind of prompt things to get done, and so I know we're kind of looking at the draft as the first "quote unquote" hard deadline, mm-hmm. especially if the Packers do want draft capital in this year's draft. So we were thinking maybe Tuesday, Wednesday next week, you know, the day or two before the draft, perhaps. Um, that's probably the soonest it'll happen. I mean, it could always happen tomorrow, today, for gosh sakes, but probably more likely then and then if you get past the draft I think things get really interesting and then Jets Nation goes into a full-on panic yeah where they're just shaken I think probability starts to drop off after the draft yeah I mean I maybe not he knows the offense right we know he knows the offense because Nathaniel Hackett's there he's going to run the same system that Rodgers has played in for the last handful of years so there's that so maybe the urgency isn't as, you know, you're not as anxious to get him in because you know he knows the system. But you do have to get on the field with new teammates, timing and all of that, especially in a passing game. So, yeah, I wonder if it doesn't get done before the draft, the next drop point is probably the start of camp. Mm-hmm. And then the Packers absolutely have to have him off their roster before week one of the season. Otherwise, they're on the hook for the money. So that's like the absolute latest that it can happen. And say, what if it happens after the draft? So news comes out whenever after the draft. Aaron Rodgers plays one year for the Jets, decides to hang it up and – the Jets have given lots of draft picks away for next year's draft. What a situation that would be to be in. Well, yeah, and I think that's <laughs> I think that's part of why this hasn't been agreed upon yet. I think there's yeah. so much uncertainty around 2024 for mm-hmm. Rodgers just because each of the last three years it's been this off-season sojourn with look at me, look at me, Aaron Rodgers. Am I coming back? Am I what not am I going back? to do? Know. You know, it, I mean, it's turned into its own soap opera every yeah. off season. And I think 
the uncertainty of that is part of the issue here as to why it's not done already. And they're probably haggling over what the compensation from next year should be, whether there's draft capital involved or contract guarantees for Rodgers. So that's probably the mess. It, isn't it kind of ironic that they're trying to acquire a player whose own personality could be holding up the deal as it pertains to 2024? It's just like it's rife with irony. It's just <laughs> unbelievable. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks, Anthony Richardson, the University of Florida quarterback prospect, is running through it this week. Titans, Falcons, Ravens, all pre-draft visits this week. He is on the banquet circuit big time. And this is when, and I've talked to players about this after they've been drafted, especially offensive linemen. They're like, you got to be careful when you're on these pre-draft visits because you're eating here, there, everywhere. All of a sudden you turn around and you you put on 15, which linemen can do in the drop of a hat. But even, you know, guys like this, you know, they're getting taken out to dinner, ribeye steaks, you know, you know, all that. All of a sudden you step on a scale and you've gained like eight to 10 pounds. You're like, where the heck did that come from? (laughs) Um, Because they're going to be whining and dining them, all three of these teams. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting. I I think the biggest mystery right now, Maddie, with respect to the quarterbacks, I think the general consensus is that Young and Stroud will go one, two, but now there is dissenting opinion on that. Some believe that Richardson could flirt with number one, flirt with number two pick. Um, Maybe a team leapfrogs the Colts at four, goes up to three where Arizona is and takes him. Um, I don't know. I think he could be the third quarterback off the board. I think he could too. I think that's where, just because of the potential, um, and I think the – the question mark that you get with him, but the sexy question mark that you get with him and this guy, look at the measurables, uh, look at what he can do, look at how you can compare him to quarterbacks in today's NFL, like Josh Allen, like a Cam Newton. I know he's not in today's NFL anymore, but plays that type of caliber, that type of physicality, has the legs, um, is a big guy. Can you get him in with the right staff who can really grow him? Just like it worked out with the Bills and Josh Allen. I mean, Josh was not a polished item when he came to Buffalo. And and the offensive staff did a wonderful job in creating what he is today. Can somebody do that with Anthony Richardson? And I think the appeal, somebody's going to take a chance on, on the what could be. Yeah. It's it's too sexy not to. And I'm just going to say it now. He is significantly faster as a runner than Josh or Cam Newton. Mm-hmm. Like, this guy can move. What did he run? 4-4-3, I think, at the combine? Mm-hmm. That's stupid. Yeah, his combine, I mean, his combine stats were incredible. <laughs> that's like James Cook speed. Yeah. It's nuts. And he's, and he's like six foot four, you know, 220-something pounds. So... I hope it works out for him too because I he's going to be so fun to watch he's in the an NFL. Like player. he's going to be so much fun. He's going to be so many kids' favorite player because he's so electrifying to watch, like you said. And the team that decides to take a chance on him, I hope it works out. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of people who are of the opinion that he should sit a year, improve his passing accuracy, which at times was like, oof, 
We need some work on that. It's not that he doesn't have the physical tools, but can he refine those tools to be an effective, efficient, and consistent quarterback? That is the challenge. Um, I think the most encouraging thing that I've read about him is the fact that the willingness to improve his game is there by mm -hmm. all accounts, and that's half the battle because you could have all the talent in the world, but at this level, unless you are committed to making yourself a better player every single day, you're not going to get there. So if he's got what is necessary you know, in his heart and between his ears to be a better player than he is right now, well, then – it's all in front of him. He could be very, very, very successful uh, in this league. And, you know, you look at those teams that he's meeting with this week, they may not even get a sniff of him. <laughs> I mean, the Falcons pick eight, the Titans pick 11, and the Ravens pick 22. Like, <laughs> you might have to move up if you want Anthony Richardson. Well, if you're the Ravens, you definitely will. Mm -hmm. um, how crazy would that be, though? Could you imagine if the Ravens move up in the draft, take Anthony Richardson, and then trade Lamar Jackson? I don't think they would do that. The drama. But they would, but they would do this. They would let Lamar play on his franchise tag this year and get Richardson ready for next year and basically have the same kind of talent mm -hmm. coming out in the draft. Wow. Power move. That would be a hardcore power move. that screams nba to me <laughs> nba drama <laughs> it would be a theater near you near it would you. be seismic mm -hmm. but that would be the ultimate oh yeah lamar how you like them apples <laughs> i mean that's what it would be and we can like, move on like we were just saying it, it would behoove the team that drafts him to have some kind of stopgap or bridge quarterback as the starter in this kid's rookie year so he can kind of get up to speed and get ready. And then if for some reason he's on some kind of fast track and he's doing great, well, yeah, put him in. But short of that, let him learn on the job this year and then next year do what you got to do. And I wouldn't put it past the Ravens, you know, and this is all assuming Lamar even signs the franchise tag, which is a complete – unknown at this point in time because I could see him digging his heels in there and costing himself another $32 million and not sign it and sit out. And I think that's why the Ravens are thinking like this, like, hey, we got to insulate ourselves in case this guy decides he's going to play hardball with us and not come to camp. Let's have other answers. And I think that's why they are considering quarterback, whether it's at 22 or whether they're looking to move up to get one of the top three or four guys. I mean, when OBJ signed there, it was he was even asked about, do you think you're going to play with Lamar? And I hope so. But yeah, he said, I was given no promises. Yeah. Because I would like I, and, to, and I but think, I don't I, know what's going to happen. And I applaud the Ravens for taking that approach with OBJ. It's like, look, I don't know what he's thinking. Like, he could say one thing, to, uh, but we can't guarantee that because we it's his choice at the end of the day. We did everything we could. We extended the franchise tag. You know, this, that, and the other. We've tried to negotiate in good faith. Nothing's happened. The ball is in his court now. So there's no way for us as a team to guarantee you that he's going to be here when it's up to him. So, I mean, it kind of is trending towards him playing on the tag this mm -hmm. year. Maybe he unwillingly shows up four days before week one and then plays. 
because he knows he's not going to help his value by not playing. He's got to know that. Yeah. And how does how does Jalen Hurts' contract affect his now? Well, <laughs> the longer you wait, the more money right. that other quarterbacks get thrown. And we've talked about, yes, Lamar Jackson has missed out on money, but when quarterbacks, when the market keeps going higher and higher and higher and starts to skyrocket, you compare him to a Jalen Hurts, okay, what is Lamar going to get paid if Jalen Hurts yeah. is going to make this much money? Well, right. I think the only way that the Hurts contract helps the Ravens and other teams in line to re-sign quarterbacks is not all of the money was guaranteed. And I think that's that's going to help the Ravens at the Lamar's end of the day. And that was Lamar's big thing is he wanted all that guaranteed. Exactly, because I'm, I'm going to do some quick math on my calculator here. And you, so you 70% of his contract was guaranteed money. 70. Not all. 70. And that guy just took his team to an NFC title last year, which Lamar cannot say No. Uh, in terms of what he's done in the playoffs. Yep. So there's that. Topic of discussion for you today, though, concerns the Bills and the draft. How have the Bills signings in free agency thus far changed your approach to the draft as it pertains to the Bills? And we just had another addition today. A.J. Klein just re-signed with the Bills today. You look at some of their other moves, a couple of receivers signed in Trent Sherfield and Deontay Hardy, a couple of linemen signed in Connor McGovern and David Edwards. They got their defensive tackle Jordan, Jordan Phillips back, Jordan Poyer's back in the fold along with Taylor Rapp. How have all these free agent additions changed your approach to the Bills draft in just over a week and a half? You let us know at 803-0550. 1-888-550-2550, number to get on board. Chris Brown, Matty Glab with you, talking Bills draft next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collida Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, back here on a Monday, Chris Brown, Matty Glab, One Bills Live. And we said we would talk Bills draft here in the second segment, and we will with you at 803-0550. As we're uh, asking you today, how have the Bills' signings in free agency changed your approach to the Bills' draft? Maybe you're like, oh, my gosh, we got to get this in the draft, and then free agency happened. You're like, ah, we're good. Well, all right. Um, I would rather have this in the draft now. So you let us know if your approach to the Bills' draft and what you think they need to come away with has changed since all the free agent additions, including the re-signing of A.J. Klein today. 803-0551-888-550-2550, the number to get on board. But in the meantime, with Maddie here and a new week upon us, it is time to review the latest iteration of Bill's Mock Draft Watch 8.0. As uh, Maddie tallies up the uh, draft experts' picks for the Bill's selection at number 27 overall. Take it away, Matt. All right, let's start out with overall because we're updating our positions and our favorite players. So we've tracked 139 total mock drafts since the middle of January and offensive line still the favorite position. Interior offensive linemen have been mocked to the Bills 24 times. Offensive tackles 12. Next favorite position to get mocked to the Bills at 27 is running back being mocked to the Bills 26 times. And then wide receiver 23 
linebacker, 22. And then our favorite players, the guys who have been mocked to the Bills the most at 27, B. John Robinson. His name keeps popping up. He's been mocked to the Bills 22 times. And I think of those 22, twice he has been mocked to the Bills via the Bills trading up in the wow, draft. trade up too. Yes. Jeez. Number two is Osiris Torrance out of Florida, the interior offensive lineman. Jordan Addison, Drew Sanders, and Brian Branch have all been mocked to the Bills 10 times. Jordan Addison and Drew Sanders are names that have kind of shot up in the last three weeks. Yeah, gained steamed in the last three weeks because of the fact that free agency is over. You're starting to see maybe some holes left in the roster, some needs based on what could be available. Mm -hmm. Jordan Addison and Drew Sanders have been popular names that I've seen in the last few mock draft watches that we've released. Um, And in the last mock draft watch, so 8.0, we tracked 10 mock drafts Of those 10, linebackers were mocked to the Bills four times. Wide receivers were mocked to the Bills two times. Defensive backs were mocked to the Bills two times. And then the lone position groups, one edge rusher and one offensive lineman. The favorite names out of Mock Draft Watch 8.0, Drew Sanders was mocked to the Bills twice, and Jordan Addison was mocked to the Bills twice. So, like Be happy I said, with either one of those guys gaining steam in the last few weeks kind of shot up in terms of numbers with what we've seen, with what I've tracked. Brian Branch is still there. He he was on a Mock Draft Watch. Yeah, yeah, we were talking about recently. that late last week. That was Charles Davis's Mock Draft uh, from NFL.com. I want to see if there were any So he'll be trades. in he'll be in 9.0, right? The Charles Davis No, pick? he was in 8.0. Oh, he was in 8.0. Yep, I haven't okay. started tracking anything for 9.0 yet, but that's going to be released on Friday afternoon. There was okay. one trade in the latest mock draft watch. Uh, it was an NFL.com mock draft. Uh, had us trading up to 20 to take Nolan Smith out of Georgia, the lone edge rusher that was in this mock draft mm. watch. Um, he's only that was the only time he's been mocked to the Bills, and we've we talked wow. about him last week being more of a three four type player yeah. versus a four three because of his light. size. Yes, he's a little light. He's not tall either, and I know ideally people would prefer to have taller players at outside linebacker in a three four. Mm-hmm. You know, six four, six three are kind of pushing it, and he's six two and change. Um, I think he's got long arms, though, which might help make up for some of that. But I don't think anybody's going to shy away from Nolan San- uh, Nolan Smith because he's two inches shorter than the prototype. Yeah. Because um, he's a super, super talent. He is very talented. Uh, that's interesting. I, I don't think we're surprised, Maddie, that we see mixed opinion with mock drafters. You see that every year. But I think the difference with this class this year is I think some of that mixed opinion is more widespread across NFL GMs as well. And so because of that, I think we are in store for an even more unpredictable draft than many of us anticipate because I think, you know, they always say, oh, well, it's what flavor do you like? I I think the opinion is going to be mixed on a lot of people. And we heard, was it Greg Cosell last Friday when we had him on? He said – from the people he has talked to, and I would subscribe to this as well, there are some players who are so liked by some teams they could go as high as 15, 
mm-hmm. and less liked to the degree by other teams that they could go pick 45. That's a 30-pick swing. And that's it's probably not just one player. It's probably several players that are viewed that differently from one organization to another based on a number of factors. As we know, fit, body of work, background, you know, character, reputation, production, you know, measurables, all of that stuff. But there are no like rubber. There are very few rubber stamp prospects this year that everybody loves, especially once you rule out the quarterbacks, the rubber stamp market down surefire home run. There are very few of those. And because of that, I think we're going to have these wide ranging like swaths of picks that players could go in. And I'm seeing that on the Excel spreadsheet that I have that I track all these different names. Last year, there were around 26 names that got mocked to the Bills in the first round when they were choosing. This year, we have had over 40 different names be mocked to the Bills with the first round pick. So it's a wide variety. And we've heard this from draft analysts. It's a wide variety of who could be available at that point, And it's a wide variety of what people might like at that point in the draft. So I think that's pretty interesting just to see the vast difference from this year compared to last year yeah. in terms of just names that I'm seeing. So many different names um, rather than last year. Not too many different names. We saw the same names pop up quite a bit. But we have a few names that I wanted to talk about yeah. if you want to do that. Um, Darnell Wright, we'll start with him. I want to talk about him last week. We ran out of time. Um, too bad Steve isn't on with us because That's Steve loves Darnell Wright. He's an offensive tackle out of Tennessee. He's 6'5", 333. He's a senior coming out, so he's had uh, a good amount of game experience. He played in 47 games, started in 42 He started at right tackle 27 times, had two starts at right guard, 13 starts at left tackle. Um, He started in his senior season, he was a starter at right tackle. Um, He did not allow a sack in his final 19 games. He ran a five-second 40, which... It's pretty good for a guy that size. Yeah. yeah. Um, when you turn on the tape, he's got strong hands. He's got a powerful lower half that's hard to knock off balance. I think that's some one thing that popped out to me. His length definitely shows up on tape. His size makes him tough to get by. His technique isn't all the way there and can look sloppy at times. I think due to his size as well, but his athleticism makes up for it, and he usually gets the job done. You see some pancakes on tape too, which is fun. What do you think about Darnell Wright? I think his feet are very good for somebody that big. A lot of times you get guys north of 330 pounds, and it looks like they have cement buckets for shoes, and he doesn't. He's got pretty nimble feet. I don't know that they're that good to play on the left side, you know, where you're going against the best of the best. But I think he can he can lock down right tackle for you pretty capably. Mm-hmm. The only time I see him getting beat is if he's a half second slow off the snap and he just gets beat by a flat-out speed rush. Guy dips the shoulder, gets under him, and, you know, encircles the arc and gets the sack. Or sometimes he will get beat on a jab step outside and then the guy takes an underneath move and he doesn't have his hands out in time to make contact, and the guy slips underneath him and gets inside to the pocket to cause a pressure or a sack as well. So that's stuff that you hope coaching takes care mm-hmm. of. 
um, as he gets more and more experience at this level. But you could do a lot worse than Darnell Wright, you know, at the bottom of round one if he's still there. I'm just he's been flying up the draft yeah, boards. That's my concern that he's not I don't think even going to be, be an available. option for Buffalo at 27. I know uh, he was kind of a favorite name. I don't want to say favorite, but his name was popping up frequently. Uh, I want to say a month ago, month and a half ago. But now he hasn't been mocked to the Bills too often. He's popped up here and there over the last couple weeks, um, but not as consistently as somebody like Drew Sanders or Jack Campbell or Jordan mm-hmm. Addison, who's they've become popular names as of late. Um, another offensive lineman that was mocked to the Bills early on, and I really haven't seen his name pop up, but it did pop up in the latest mock draft watch, is Cody Mauk out of North Dakota State. The toothless wonder. The toothless wonder. He's got this <laughs> red, long hair. He has no front teeth. He doesn't want to put any front teeth in. He got him knocked out at a basketball game, I think, and has just decided to keep that as a part of his identity, which is an offensive lineman. Like, I love that. He's 6'5", 302 pounds. Um, he's a redshirt senior. He played six years with North Dakota State because of the COVID year. So yeah. he's had a lot of time with this team. He played in 62 games. He played mostly at left tackle in his final three seasons. Um, he had a 5.0840, which for his size, pretty good too. He participated in the Senior Bowl. Um, he had FCS All-America Honors and was FCS Offensive Lineman of the Year last season. Um, he played for a program that went 78 and 8, so a really good team. When you look at the tape, when you Watch the tape of this offensive lineman. He is a mean machine. He will block you all the way back to where you live. He does not stop blocking, guys. It's so fun to watch him um, on tape. He's a physical offensive lineman. He can move defenders out of the way quite easily. He looks pretty quick on his feet, too. He can move. Uh, His run blocking is definitely his strength. He's got some shorter arm length. His arms are shorter, so a lot of people say that he might need to move inside once he gets into the NFL. But this seems like a fun guy to have on your roster. Um, first round pick, I don't, I don't know. He's, I've seen him a lot in the second round. I think he's a second round guy, and I think the reason why is because I would, wouldn't be surprised about half the league thinks he's a guard prospect mm-hmm. instead of a tackle prospect. Um, I think you could do a lot worse than him also, but – I don't know. Watching him, I think he's a guard also. I don't know if his feet are quite good enough for the NFL level to play out there on the edge in space, but I think he could do wonders for you at the guard position, especially, as you mentioned, in the run front. We we are up against the break here, so we got to step aside here. We also got people waiting on the phone lines. We'll All get to right. you to talk draft when we return here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, we have returned. One Bills Live, Chris Brown, Maddie Lab with you, and we are asking you at 803-0550, how have the Bills signings and free agency thus far changed your approach to the Bills draft? We go to the phones now, and leading us off here is Kevin in Hamburg. What do you got for us, Kevin? You're on One Bills Live. Hey, guys, how you doing? Thanks for taking my call. Sure. If we can get DeAndre Hopkins... Not saying we would not need a receiver maybe later, but we would not need one as high as any higher than five if we could get DeAndre because of how good he is, how he even burned us when he used to play against Tredavious. If we don't get him, 
then we should go somewhere no high, no lower than two, and all that. Because how good DeAndre is, if we can get him, we can maybe get some guy five, you know, something like that. You're talking round five. Yeah, round five. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, obviously. <laughs> Acquiring Hopkins would change the equation just a little bit, Benny. <laughs> I mean, my gosh, yeah, you get him. I mean, yeah, you may want to get another receiver in the pipeline, but you certainly wouldn't feel compelled to have to do that. Um, although you do have, you know, Sherfield's on a one-year deal. Um, Gabe Davis is in the last year of his rookie contract. So maybe if you want to insulate yourself, you you think about drafting another one, but – yeah, you certainly wouldn't do it any earlier. Yeah, if we had a D-hop on this roster, I'd feel really good about not worrying about a wide receiver until day three, um, if they choose if to that. do so. If, <laughs> if that. It's, it's fine. It's fine. It's all good. We don't need Jordan Addison anymore. Let's go uh, back to the phones to Jack and Cheek Dewaga next. What do you got for us, Jack? Uh, I don't think the Bills see a first-round value at pick 27. And I think it's probably the consensus of most of the draft people that this draft might have 20, 22, maybe 24 people, but it's not going to trickle down to the bills. And I don't see Brandon Bean trading down to take a running back for one of the best passing attacks in the league Mm -hmm. and give up draft picks and have fewer draft picks than six. I think he's going to hope that there's a quarterback-hungry team that'll give them something for 27 and get one or two of those linebackers or tight ends in that uh, in the early uh, picks in the second round. And, I, and I'd love to see Sanders, and I'd love to see uh, Darnell Washington. Uh, I do not see him trading down. I see him trading back. Thanks, guys. All right, thank you. When you say down, I guess you mean to a lower number, meaning up the board to a – he was kind of confusing with that. Trading back, not down, to me, those are the same thing. He means trading up for yeah. you know, a running back talent or it's something like, like that. It's like the question, do you do you turn your AC up or down? Yeah, for the degrees, right, <laughs> right. Because if the degrees go down, it will be cooler, but yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think we knew what he was saying there. Mm-hmm. I – I said this a couple of weeks ago. I think Drew Sanders is worthy of a first-round pick, and the reason why is because I think he's a two-position player. Uh, I think what he offers you is the ability to play linebacker on early downs, and then when you're in an obvious passing situation, you can line him up at the line of scrimmage as a pass rusher, kick Greg Rousseau inside, let Von Miller go to work on the other side, and then you can bring Terrell Bernard or Tyrell Dotson on the field as your third down middle linebacker to play alongside Matt Milano and off you go. Um, Or even A.J. Klein now that he's back on the roster. So that's the way I might be inclined to do that. And because I see Sanders as a two-position player, I'd have no problem if the Bills took him at 27. Now, do they feel the same way? I don't know. Um, But that's how I see him just from what his tape tells me. So I I, I probably wouldn't trade back or down or out of the first round uh, and still hope to get him. And, and the other thing, too, is, like, if you think he's, like, a borderline one-two guy anyway, you know, trade back five picks and wait to take him, just take the guy there if you like him that mm-hmm. much. Yeah. I like Drew Sanders. I like Jack Campbell. I 
I wonder if any of those guys will go before the Bills are on the clock at 27. The more that I look at mock drafts, the more that I listen to analysts and and listen to people on One Bills Live, the more that I become of the opinion of deciding to trade back into the top of the second round and, and making a move from there, just based on where some of the mock drafts have people not falling to, basically. A lot of the wide receivers look to be off the table by the time the Bills get there. Some of the top tight ends in the draft class also look to be off the top of the, off the table by the time the Bills are on the clock. So I kind of like the idea of, of trading back a few spots, and, and if that is getting a linebacker there, then that's getting a linebacker there. If that's deciding to pick up one of the best tight ends who still might be available there, then then I can understand that too. Um, but the, the, the point about there not being a lot of first-round grades or, or staffs, scouting departments and, and different staffs across different teams may not have a lot of guys with first-round grades. That might be a reason why we're seeing so many different names pop up tied to the Bills well, yeah. at number 27 just because it is – the top of the draft, yes, you know you know who's who's going to go by then. You you know what names are going to be called, not in the specific order, um, but the back half of that draft, the twenties, the, the late twenties. I'm sure every team is getting mocked a lot of different names because of the fact that this right. draft is really hard to figure out that that end of the first round and if those guys do have first round grades or not. I think there are going to be plenty of takers for a late first-round pick. I know why you're concerned that the cupboard might be bare, but I think, as we were talking about earlier, with all the mixed opinion that there is on the prospects in this class across GMs league-wide, I think while there might only, while each team may only have 23 players, 24 players with true first-round grades, they're going to be all different players. They're not going to be the same 23, 24 guys because the mm-hmm. mixed opinion is so vast yep. this year. And so this team will have these 23 guys with first-round grades, and there might be 10 of them that are the same as this other team's first-round grades, but there might be 13 or 14 that are completely different. Well, that's going to provide enough players with first-round grades in the draft for 32 teams to their liking. So I – I think if teams are looking to get out of the bottom of the first round, there's going to be plenty of teams willing to come up because I think the grades are going to be varying that much. Will there be enough takers if you do want to get out? So if the cupboard's bare on your board, I think you'll have people interested in making a deal with you. Uh, Everybody hang on. we got to take a break here because we're at the top of the hour. We also have Pro Football Focus's Mike Renner coming up, just released a three-round mock draft Who's he got for the Bills? We'll find out next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Presented by Kaleida Health. 
All right, hour number two here on a Monday. Chris Brown, Matty Glad with you. Pleased to be joined now by the lead draft analyst for Pro Football Focus, one and only Mike Renner, a friend of the show, been on before. Mike, good to have you. Uh, we are in nitty-gritty time here. We're less than two weeks away, and the big, long, drawn-out mocks are on tap now. You know, people doing multiple-round mocks. You are among them. I don't envy you in the least with that assignment. Um, but why don't you walk us through uh, your your three-round mock, because you had three pretty interesting picks for the Bills that I don't know have been seen in many other places. So why don't you walk us through those and your reasoning for each, if you don't mind. Yeah, so Buffalo's in, obviously, when you're down that deep in the first round you have to play the board, right? You, you can't target a guy and think that's the missing piece to your championship team. You kind of have to just take what comes to you. And Brandon Bean's been good about, I don't want to say like using the draft, how the draft's supposed to be utilized. It is a forward thinking endeavor. It is not a whole plugging sort of proposition. You are just looking for talent anywhere you can find it. And they've reloaded positions that weren't necessarily needs in recent years. So with that in mind, I went Brian Brzee, the Clemson defensive tackle, as their first pick. They obviously value defensive line. They've uh, you know, invested heavily in that position. But it's still a position where, especially a defensive tackle, someone next to Ed Oliver could go a long way towards taking that unit into the stratosphere of kind of what we saw with like Philadelphia last year, where you're just so dominant that no, no one until the grass gets slippery in the Super Bowl can really block you. So Brian Brzee... Uh, super talented defensive tackle coming out of Clemson, number one overall recruit, but tore his ACL, had a lot of off-field uh, unfortunate things happen to him this past fall to limit his game. If he's there on the board, he's a much more talented player than you'll usually find at pick 27 overall, almost reminiscent of like when Gregory Rousseau fell that far in the first round, but it was just because he opted out and you never got to really see that next step from him. Uh, I could see a similar trajectory for Brian Brzee and his career. Second round, I went interior offensive line help, Chandler Zavala, I think this offensive line, if you're looking at any problem area on this roster, what's going to stop them from winning a Super Bowl, that's the one I point to is just that they're a little thin and they're a little you know, lacking in terms of top-end talent. Zavala is a guy who was probably the best testing interior offensive line prospect in this draft outside of maybe like Peter Skaronsky, who's obviously going to go like top 10, 15. So Chandler Zavala, one year of starting, was a D2 transfer, but man, he looked really good in pass protection. That's obviously something that Buffalo could utilize and could use And he's got some versatility to him with his body type. And then at pick 91, I went Kayshawn Booty, the LSU wide receiver, some dynamism. You know, he, he had an ankle issue hampering him this past fall. It obviously showed in his pro day. If that can, you know, if you can get word from doctors that that'll get cleaned up, that his rehab will be fine, that he'll be the player we saw as a freshman and as a sophomore at LSU when a lot of people had him as, you know, a top five wide receiver in this class before this past fall. I think he could be getting a steal. Guy's only 20 years old. And again, this Buffalo receiving core, while it's talented, it is an arms race in the AFC. There are so many talented offenses that you can't just say, oh, I'm good with Stefan Diggs, Gabe Davis. That's going to get me to the promised land. No, I think you got to have more options than that if you really want to go through that gauntlet and win a Super Bowl nowadays. Mike, before you came on with us, Chris and I were discussing, you know, where the Bills are at at number 27. Is it worth staying at 27? Is it better to to trade into the top of the second round? Do you get better value for what's available then? Based on the mock drafts that you have done, and not just even Bills-centric, 
what positions are available at, at 27 and later, kind of kind of the end of the first round of the draft? What positions are available and worth taking based on the names that you've seen kind of falling to the end of first round? So the positions that I've seen that I like in that regard, that I think have the talent to push down and get guys with, who are talented there, unfortunately, are tight end and cornerback. And now they just used the first round on a cornerback last year, and obviously with Dawson Knox, I don't think they're going to be involved in this tight end class whatsoever. But that's, you know, in a vacuum. There's always a guy that falls uh, one way or another that probably should not have to that point in the draft. I could see that happening along the defensive line, uh, like I have there with Brian Brazia. I think defensive tackle becomes intriguing if some of those guys start to fall down boards. But but I am of the opinion that there just aren't 27 first-rounders in this class. Like, this is not a super deep, loaded first round. But I do think towards the back, towards the middle to back end of day two, there's a lot of guys I like in that range. And so with where they're at as a franchise, with how kind of cash draft they're getting with this somewhat expensive roster with Josh Allen's cap hits climbing, it would make a lot of sense to give yourself a bunch of options because you're just not going to be able to plug in free agency kind of the way they did to build this roster, the, you know, how many moves they've made, uh, you know, from like 2019 to 2021, they were building, building, building through free agency. That's just not an option anymore. So I think the more young talent you can get to replenish positions where you have aging veterans, uh, you know, whether that is at safety, whether that is now at linebacker, I think the better off they'll be. Mike, we hear that there is maybe more mixed opinion across the league on prospects this year than in several years, like where players could have grades from one team as, you know, a mid first and from another team as a mid second, like of, of like a 30 pick range for a player who could go like 15 or 45, depending on who's on the clock um, with that kind of variance. Does that almost by default make the meat and potatoes of this draft day two, like round two and three is where you're probably going to get your best value in the whole thing. Oh, 100%. Because I think that difference that you just explained sickly there is like, I may be picking a guy at 15 that other that, you know, I could get at 45. I think this is a very ripe draft class for those kind of decisions. When you get to picks 20 and beyond, I think the first 20 picks are pretty chalky you're going to have a lot of uh, similar grades in that regard. But once you get past that, and especially on the PFF draft board, where, where how I see this class, you know, between like 25 and 50, I'm, I'm, I'm flipping coins a lot of the times. There, there's not a big difference between that tier of this class. And so that's why I say where Buffalo is situated, moving back may make the most sense for them because, and, and also looking where their needs are. You know, I talked about linebacker and safety. Those just aren't positions that you traditionally draft in the first round that, you know, if I, I were to get someone like Jack Campbell out of Iowa, I would love him in Buffalo to replace Jermaine Edmonds. But is pick 27 too high? Probably. But is pick 40 too high? I don't think so. I think that's right the range I would love to get a guy like that. So I move back 13 picks. I get Jack Campbell. Then I also get someone else. So I, I think that might be the Bills' best avenue uh, towards building and rebuilding 
some of the positions they lost this offseason. We could see a lot of quarterbacks go off the board in the first half of that first round. Who knows? Maybe even Hendon Hick- Hooker is going to go off the board before the Bills are available at number 27. Not saying that the Bills are going to pick a quarterback, but saying this could affect who falls to the Bills or who's available at number 27. So what are some things that could happen in the front half of the, the first round of the NFL draft that, that could allow maybe some names, like you said, a Brian Brzee or something like that, fall to the Bills at number 27? What are some things that might affect where some of the teams are in that 25 to 32 range that they might be sitting there saying, we're not moving anywhere because we're going to get this player that we thought was going to go off of the board at 20, but is somehow still available. Yeah, I think there's two positions I see could be runs on talent that may push guys up boards in front of the bills. And if I'm like Brandon Bean, I'm telling Every GM I come across, I'm like, hey, Hendon Hooker is the next Patrick Mahomes. You know, you're, you're pumping this guy's tires, hoping he gets drafted before you because you're never going to pick, you know, with Josh Allen, as long as he's your quarterback, you're not picking anyone else at that position. So you're hoping five guys go off the board and you're hoping a bunch of tackles come off the board, in my opinion, for the Buffalo Bills right now. I don't think they'll be looking at offensive tackle in this draft class, obviously, with Spencer Brown being a project and hoping he, you know, into year three at the time, you're hoping that he comes into his own and has that breakout season. But this is a thin tackle class, and everyone still needs offensive tackles. It's still the position that's probably the most desperation of any position outside of maybe quarterback around the NFL. So when it's thin, that means that you're not going to find a guy at the back end of the round in the second round who could step in and start for you or even come close to. So I think that means a lot of decisions for teams in the first round where it's like, hey, do we reach a little because we have this desperate need at tackle, even if we don't have a first-round grade on this guy? And I think some teams will be. So you're hoping something like seven, six, seven tackles come off the board before you're on the clock. And then you'll get some talent fall to you, in my opinion. Mike, I know you also did some write-ups on day two and day three targets for teams. And this guy has got the shortest wingspan at his position. And he doesn't run a blazing 40. But a lot of people think he's just a flat-out football player. Jamie Robinson, the safety from Florida State. Why do you like him as a fit for Buffalo? Yeah, I mean, you look at Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde, and they weren't high-end athletes. Those guys were not, you know, all-world testing guys coming out at the Combine or at their pro days. They're just good football players. They're good tacklers. They see the game well. And I think that's what uh, they've coveted there on the defensive side of the ball, especially at the safety position, is guys who have all-around game. And that's, that's Robinson. I mean, he's played four years as a starter between South Carolina and and Florida State, he's played slot, he's played deep, he's played too high, he's played single high, and he's been one of the best tacklers in this draft class over that span, regardless of where he's lined up. So I'm a big fan of his, and again, he's a guy who, the flip on the tape, and it says this is a darn good football player. Any measurable you want is not going to maybe back up that opinion, but a safety is a position that's so instinctual driven, so uh, mentality and how you play the game driven, that I don't really care. This guy can play, and, and I want him on the Buffalo Bills. I think that would be a great guy to target back into day two, early day three, if he's still there on the board. You also just released day three targets for each NFL team, and Bijan Robinson has been a favorite name that's been mocked to the Bills uh, 22 times. I've counted out of the like 140 Ooh. mock drafts that I've tracked um, for the Buffalo Bills. We released it on our website, and. I don't think he's going to be available at 27. I don't think that's a need for the Bills at 27. He's an incredible player, but Chris and I have had fun debating 
whether or not he's going to be available and whether or not the Bills should take him. But you have a day three pick fit for the Bills, a running back, Dwayne McBride out of UAB. Why do you like him as, as a fit for this team and, and maybe somebody who could add to that running backs room? Because I personally like a, a day three running back better than spending a first round pick on somebody who probably won't be available. I'm right there with you on using that's where I want to target running back in this class on the Bills because because I like James Cook as a receiving back as the pass down back and the space back in your running back by committee kind of backfield he's great he's excellent you're not going to find too many better than him in this draft class or you know around the NFL so that means I need a two down guy I need the guy though who's going to be the short yardage carry the rock run between the tackles when I need to pick up those tough yards. And to me, that's Dwayne McBride. He has some of the best vision in this draft class. You look at his highlights there. He's so light on his feet for a 220 pounder. I mean, he just absolutely tore up the sun. He was crushing dudes on tape. Just unbelievable watching him run uh, knife through some of these defenses. And he didn't need a big crease. You know, he has, uh, he has a running style. that's very projectable to the NFL, even if he doesn't have great hands or great speed. So it's kind of your perfect complement and your perfect sort of replenishing there for losing Devin Singletary. He's a, he's kind of a souped up, like a bigger version of Devin Singletary in that backfield. So knowing the possibility at least exists for Buffalo to move out of round one, if they don't like what they see on the board, I know you put together, you know, some of your favorite day two prospects. So who might be on that list uh, for us to kind of, mull over if the Bills decide to pull that trigger and not participate on night one? The guy I keep going back to for them is Jack Campbell, the Iowa linebacker. I I think he is exactly what you want next to Matt Milano. They are uh, kind of perfect complements at the linebacker position where Campbell's your great – he's got great eyes in zone. He's got great feel for, uh, you know, playing out in space for a bigger linebacker, 250 – ish pounds. Whereas, you know, Terrell Bernard is who they drafted last year in the third round. Like he's got a similar game to Matt Milano. They're almost redundant in their skill sets and they're the undersized kind of great uh, run and chase kind of linebackers, but not your take on guys. Campbell takes on blocks better than any other linebacker in this draft class. He plays between the tackles better than any other linebacker in this draft class. And he's the underrated good athlete in his own right. He can track down running backs, quarterbacks in space, as you saw just there. So he's one of the guys that I would just love to see in that defense because he's NFL ready. Like he can make an impact tomorrow, which is rare. And especially in a, I'd call an overall weak linebacker class that we're seeing this year. For the Bills, they don't have too many draft picks in, in this draft class. And who knows, maybe they could trade into the second round, pick up a few more guys, a few more draft picks because, uh, you have a team that doesn't have a lot of room in to make moves in the salary cap anymore via free agency. And Brandon Bean has said, you know, Von Miller is our big splash this year as well. We're, we're doing the low budget free agents thing. And that's kind of what we've seen play out here for Buffalo. So what do you think this team with where they're at, with what they still want to accomplish? This is a team who's made it deep into the playoffs every single year. They haven't made a run for the Super Bowl yet, but they have a roster who, if they're healthy, could be ready for a run like that. What do you think their goal should be in this year's draft overall round? one through seven what do you think this team can accomplish or should accomplish through this draft to me this is the year they take sort of a page out of the Kansas City Chiefs playbook and what they saw Brett Beach do there 
when they had to transition from Patrick Mahomes being cheap to Patrick Mahomes all of a sudden being expensive. And what they did after that turned out to be the case was they just loaded up on draft capital. They started trading down. They started getting whatever they could in return and just started filling out this roster with cheaper talent and and just foolproofing it to make sure that you don't have any glaring holes, whether it's along your offensive line, whether it's in your secondary, like you just need to have guys everywhere. You can't just target the one guy like maybe they have uh, in free agency and did last year with Von Miller thinking that's going to put you over the hump. All of a sudden it needs to spread this cap out and spread this money out as much as possible. And to me, that just comes with more picks. Mike, I know in your mock, you kind of laid this out, but the quarterbacks are obviously going to push down talent that the bills would be looking for not being in the market for a quarterback edge rusher will probably do that to a certain extent as well. So does that for you indicate that maybe the draft class will be flush with talent at position X or Y maybe more than others, you know, with quarterback edge. I mean, I, I, based on your mock, you've got the receiver run happy and happening a lot earlier than I think bills fans would prefer so I, I don't think that's going to be available to them as much as they might want it. But where do you see the positions being most valuable with what gets pushed down to the bottom there? Yeah, I, I hate to say this because obviously I don't think there are positions that the Bills are going to necessarily want, but it's running back and tight end. They're probably the two best classes just independently uh, of this draft that you're just not going to find running back and tight end classes like this every year or every few years. They are special classes. And so when they're that deep and when they're like not valuable positions to begin with, then you have a lot of conversations in the first round where it's like, should I draft Bijan or can I get Jameer Gibbs in the second round? Should I draft Dalton Kincaid or can I get Sam Laporta in the second round at tight end? So you're going to have a lot of teams debating that probably siding with going then for an offensive tackle, going for an edge, going for a quarterback or whatever it may be, the quote unquote valuable position. So those are the two ones where if you're sitting on the board, back end of the first, back end of the second, there might be a lot more talent there than there usually is. But unfortunately, I'm not sure the Bills are like, I'm not sure that's the missing piece for them offensively as a running back or a tight end. Mike, one more question for me. What is one surprising thing that you think could happen on night one of the NFL draft as we inch closer to that Thursday night? I mean, you were talking about Bijan going to the being available for the Bills or being available in that range. I don't think it's happening. I think he goes either number eight overall to the Atlanta Falcons or something like 14th overall to the New England Patriots. I think he goes high in this upcoming draft because teams still value special, even if it's at a position that maybe isn't paid as much as others that you know has gotten devalued in its usage and offenses around the NFL. But teams value a guy who is so head and shoulders above their competition that they can look back in four years when the owner says, you know, here's your draft track record, and they can point to that and say, that's a W. That was an easy win. And Bijan is. He's that good at running back that I think someone drafts him really highly. And, and will that mean that other running backs start to come off the board in the first round? It's possible. But I do think Robinson's kind of a unique case, and he'll go highly because of it. Last one for me, Mike. And I, I don't want to be added to this group. I'm sure you get a lot of blowback on social media about whatever you pick in mock drafts. It's just the way of the world in social media, unfortunately. I'm just curious – about you seeing Zay Flowers lasting until pick 30 to the Eagles. There's a lot There's a lot of people that think he could be 
the best receiver in the class. There's some mixed opinion on that as well, which is run rampant with the class this year. How do you think he gets that far? It's the size to me is why I haven't fallen that far. You know, he has a wingspan of like 72 inches, just over 72 inches, just over six foot. And that is about as small as you'll see in the NFL. I think there's been 1,000 yard wide receiver with the wingspan under 73 inches because Tyree Hill actually has a pretty long wingspan. Jalen Waddle have pretty long wingspans for being shorter wide receivers. Um, and Tyler Lockett, you just, when you don't have that catch radius, uh, it just kind of limits you. So that's why I see him possibly falling. But this wide receiver class is really a eye of the beholder receiver class. There are four guys at the top in Zay Flowers, in Jordan Addison, Quentin Johnson, Jackson Smith, and Jigba that are just all so vastly different in their skill set that none of them are redundant to each other whatsoever. That if you're looking for one thing, there probably is a guy that gives it to you, but it means you're going to have him then wide receiver one. So that's why I think this wide receiver class is very difficult to predict at this point because of how up in the air the rankings are. Well, one thing's for sure. It's going to make the draft even that much more interesting. Uh, Mike, thanks as always for taking the time. We appreciate it. We'll keep an eye on uh, more of the stuff that I'm sure you got to have to churn out between now and draft night. Good luck with it. (laughs) For for sure. Thanks so much for having me. Have a good one. That's Mike Renner, PFF lead draft analyst, joining us here. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's about as low as I've seen Zay Flowers in a mock draft in a while. Yeah. 30? I was just reading an article, a Mel Kuyper article, where he picked out his favorite prospects at each position in the NFL draft, and it wasn't supposed to be first-round guys. It was kind of all across the board, guys going on day three, guys going on day one, and his favorite wide receiver was Zay Flowers. Well, he's fun to watch. Yeah. I don't think there's any debate about that. Mike brings up a good point about you know his wingspan, and you don't want to bank it all on measurables, but they do do those kinds of comps, GMs and personnel executives do comps like that, and they say, okay, this guy's dynamic in the college ranks. He's a really exciting player. How does that translate to the league? And sometimes it does, and sometimes it doesn't. And he didn't play for an SEC school where he was playing against. I, I know he yeah. played for Boston College, and you know you, still, ACC, face, you yeah. still face some good competition in the ACC, but sometimes you can feel like you can compare – I'm just thinking of the Georgia defenses, the Alabama defenses mm-hmm. that, that have the size, that have, have the guys that are those first-round draft picks that, that it feels like you're playing against an NFL defense and, and somebody of that size and stature, you just you wonder how, how they're going to do and last. He, he was pretty healthy and, and never really got injured throughout the entirety yeah. of his career. So he has lasted so far. Does that translate into the NFL? He is fun to watch, like you said. I love watching his tape. Yeah, really good player. Um, And then the other thing with him is, you know, you look at the skill set and you say, well, how is that? And is it terribly different from Jordan Anderson, who's just as under, you know, it doesn't have a lot of size either. Um, Their skill sets are different. I'll agree with Mike on that. But what makes Jordan Addison a lock in the early 20s and Zay Flower down at 30? That's where the mixed opinion is going to come mm-hmm. in in this year's draft. And I'm telling you right now, if you're at the bottom of round one and you don't need a receiver and Zay Flowers is sticking there, you're going to have an interested trade suitor calling you yeah, on the phone saying, totally. hey, can I get into the bottom of round one? My guy's <laughs> still on the board that I didn't expect there. And they'll be like, all right, what are you going to offer? So there will be takers if you're looking to get out of the bottom of round one and somebody like Zay Flowers is on the board. Mm-hmm. It will happen. We have to take a break here, but it's your phone calls next as we're asking you, how have all the additions by the Bills and free agency changed your approach to the Bills draft? 
803-0550, the number to get on board. Tom and Rob are going to lead us off on the next segment here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, we're going right to the phones here for people that have been patiently waiting as we are asking you, and open lines for you, by the way, at 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550. How have the Bills signings in free agency changed your approach to the Bills draft? Maybe your mind has been changed on what they need to go after after seeing all the additions, including veteran linebacker A.J. Klein re-signing today. To the phones we go and to Tom on the west side to lead us off. What do you got for us, Tom? Hey, kids, hope everybody's having a good day in spite of the weather. Yeah. And, and Maddie, I need to ask you, is Buffalo less windier than Chicago? Because they call Chicago the windy city. No, Buff- anyway. Buffalo's way windier than Chicago, yeah. in my opinion. <laughs> okay. Well, we're the queen city anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, as far as the draft, I like everybody that's been projected to us pretty much except for Robinson and maybe Osiris, because the, 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 they're one-position players. So you know how the Bills like to have versatile players. Right. I'm like I'm liking Brian Branch, because I've seen him listed as both a cornerback and a safety, and we're weak at both spots. And who knows what uh, – Hyden Poyer are on the last year of their contract – and who knows what's going to happen with Hamlin, you know? No, I, so I could see I, I, they brought Rapp in. I like that. Yeah. No, I, I get where you're coming from, mm-hmm. Tom. Um, it makes sense. I mean, Branch does offer position versatility. And, you know, we shouldn't forget this. And Mike Renner kind of touched on this a little bit, too, when we were talking about Jamie Robinson, the safety from Florida State, who's been a versatile defensive back for South Carolina and then Florida State after he entered the transfer portal. Uh, Micah Hyde was drafted as a fifth-round corner. And then his rookie year with the Packers, he played nickel corner and then transitioned to safety after that. And you've got a guy in Brian Branch who's kind of got the same uh, resume, so to speak, you know, the Alabama kid. So I don't think they would shy away from that necessarily. The only question is, what what is the value on him? And again, Maddie, we're getting back to mixed opinion. He does not have a lot of the measurables, didn't have a good testing day at the Combine. And so how does that impact what the final grade is? Maybe not much at all, maybe a lot. Um, but it is going to lead to mixed opinion. And I think that's why it's been so hard for even mock drafters to pin down what is Brian Branch's true value? He's six feet. He's 190 pounds. He ran a 4.5840. The athleticism score that Next Gen Stats did on all position groups and, and rank them with the position groups, all the guys that were at the NFL Combine, he got he ranked 32nd on uh, the 2023 Combine cornerback ranks, um, but ranked fifth overall in a total score of cornerbacks that were at this year's Combine. He ranked first in a production score. So again, the kind of all over the place with opinions, with how he tested, with his tape. I totally understand, though, wanting to look ahead to the future. And I think it's a smart thing for the Bills to do. I don't know if 27 spending a first round pick on somebody like him 
um, makes a lot of sense. I can see where where people might want to go. Somebody like him, a cornerback or something like that, at 27 because you do need to start thinking about the future of this team. And yes, we do have Taylor Rapp on the roster. Not sure about Demar Hamlin yet. So maybe start to invest in the future there. Get somebody who does offer that position flexibility. Maybe he doesn't need to just play safety. Maybe he can help you out in the slot there. Gives you a little bit more freedom to to do different things on defense in a position group that's needed depth at times, and especially last season when the injuries came and, and when the depth really got tested on this roster. He was, he's was he been mocked to the Bills 10 times. His name was very, very popular in January and February before the Bills signed Jordan Poyer back to the roster, before Taylor Rapp was a part of this roster. So I can understand the thinking there of wanting to invest right. in the future with, with a guy like him. And while he doesn't have the size and speed measurables, he is above average in almost every other category that NFL teams look at. And I think what carries the most weight with talent evaluators is this is a guy who played that star position in Nick Saban's defense. That's the same position that Minka Fitzpatrick it's played. It's an easy position to play. And it's a lot of responsibility mm-hmm. that's on your plate there for running things on the back end. And by all accounts, he handled it remarkably well otherwise he wouldn't have been a three-year starter he's a really smart player so really smart too and what's between the ears sometimes counts a lot particularly at that position so I I think that's what's going to help boost his stock in the draft Um, but as Maddie said the question is do you use a first round pick on a combo DB maybe you do in what is a weak what is considered to be a weak safety class overall Good call, Tom, though. Some some good points brought to the table there. Let's move along and go to Rob in Connecticut next. What do you got for us, Rob? Hey, Chris. Hey, Maddie. How is everything today? Good. All right. Well, I am an avid listener from 6 o'clock until whenever with you guys. Um, and, Maddie, I just want to say to you, I miss the Maddie Awards, and I'm looking forward <laughs> to them uh, this season. They're I coming back. Only, yeah. Yeah, I always like uh, like what you do with that. But, um, you know, listen, all, all I want to say is that um, the acquisitions that the Bills made during the offseason with the free agency, I'm completely happy with what we have done so far. Um, when we did let Tremaine Edmonds go, I was kind of disappointed with that situation. So the first thing I was thinking was we need to fill that spot. This is my only opinion. Um so, of course, I'm hearing about Jack Campbell and Sanders, and, and I'm, like, drooling because I'm, I'm so hoping that, we you know, it holds off. I know we're at 27, but I think that would be a, a great first-round pick for us, either one of those guys. And then in the second round, uh, a nice a nice wide receiver um, for me. I'm, you know, the whole Bijan thing, I don't think it's going to happen, but I am getting tired of hearing about it. Um, I, I'm happy with Harris. That was another one. That was a big surprise. I'm just really looking forward to seeing what uh, Brendan Bean has, uh, if he's going to pull a rabbit out of his hat. That's my anticipation. I think he's going to surprise us all with something that we're not going to expect. And as far as the, uh, the uh, Tyler Rapp, I'm glad he's coming because he played alongside, uh, alongside Vaughn Miller which also helps, you know, teammates help one another out. So they'll know. And um, 
I think it's going to be uh, very interesting this draft, but I'm I'm more interested in the uh, linebacker spot. I'm glad that A.J. Klein did come back, but I want Campbell or, or Sanders, definitely. Thank guys for taking my call. I right. appreciate you. Thanks, Rob. Appreciate that. Um, you know, you look at the free agent acquisitions, Matty, just to Rob's point, he said he's very happy with what Brandon Bean has done on a tight budget, no less. I think two of the more underrated ads here throughout the offseason – are Taylor Rapp and Damian Harris. Like, Damian Harris was a productive back in New England who lost time on the field because Bill Belichick wanted a power back in Ramondre Stevenson, like a 235-pound, you know, battering ram. Um, And don't get me wrong, Ramondre Stevenson's a nice player, but I actually like Damian Harris's skill set even better than that. And I think he's going to be a lot more than maybe some might anticipate in terms of role here, um, because as I see it, it's 1A and 1B with Harris and James Cook. However it shakes out, we'll find out in training camp in the preseason. But just hearing Sean McDermott at the owners' meetings talking about Damian Harris, (laughs) like I don't want to say that Coach McDermott was excited because he's pretty even-keeled no matter what. Yeah. But in terms of remarks by a coach (laughs) for a player – especially a new one, that's as close to glowing as you're going to get from Coach McDermott on a, on a new acquisition. I thought it was very telling. I mean, he had 15 rushing touchdowns in 2021. That's a recent production. That's not five years ago you had yeah. 15 rushing touchdowns. That's two seasons ago, and I'm really excited to see how they utilize him in this offense. And overall, just the free agency moves – I know Brandon Bean probably undersells what he's going to do because he doesn't want everybody to to be high on what could be but is but ends up not happening. The low budget free agents, yes, he did that, but I was very very impressed with the talent that walked through this door in free agency from offensive linemen to wide receivers to some additions to the defense. I I left free agency saying this team is better off now than they were last season. And I'm excited about some of the newness, some some of the the tweaks that might happen to this offense in terms of what Ken Dorsey is able to do or doesn't even have to do because you up the talent, you up the ante with guys like Deontay Hardy and Trent Shurfield. I'm I'm really excited to see how they fold players like that and you add to the depth of the offensive line room. I, I walk away from free agency being very impressed with what happened and, and think that this team is in a good position heading into the draft, which is what you want to be in. You want to be in a position to where you can do whatever you want, and I think that team is getting closer to that. Yeah. Break time for us here. We'll have time for another call or two when we come back in our final segment. Larry and Amherst will lead us off when we return here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Matty Glab. Let's get right back to the phones and to Larry in Amherst. What do you got for us, Larry? I was just curious. Do you think the Bills gave up on uh, Balen Specter, or I thought he had a decent preseason, and with another year's coaching, he might develop better. 
And are we just waiting for Brian Dable to steal another player? No, I mean, first of all, he's only entering year two in his rookie contract, so he's got three years left with the Bills. Uh, but your point's well taken, Larry. And Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott mentioned him by name, saying he's firmly in the competition mix with Tyrell Dotson and Terrell Bernard. And I thought he was an underrated performer in the Clemson defense when the Bills made him a seventh-round pick. Um you know, we'll have to see how it all shakes out in training camp. That's really just how it goes. Yeah, he had some fun tape in college, and so I was looking forward to seeing what he could do in the NFL. I don't know if that's really via a roll through special teams first and then working your way into the defense, um, if that's what they see for him. But he's somebody that I do want to keep my eye on as we head into OTAs and, and training camp for sure. And, you know, I look at it and, you know, through the course of the offseason, you know, we, we walk around this building a lot. Um, just with our daily goings-on. And I can say Balen Spector was a guy that's been here an awful lot mm -hmm. through the course of the winter. So the guy's been putting the work in. So it's going to be very interesting to see what kind of leap he makes from year one to year two. And then secondarily, as I mentioned, you know, he's only in his second year with the Bills. I think what's going to keep him on the roster, even if he doesn't get a starting job on defense, are his budding abilities on special teams. I think yeah. he definitely has a skill set to be a major contributor on special teams while maybe he waits in the wings if he can't land a starting job uh, in year two. That's I, I completely agree. And, and it's more than Balen Spector, too. There's, there's some guys who were a part of the special teams last year who will have an opportunity to work their way into – offensive or defensive positions within this roster and and OTAs is really when this starts workouts is really when this all starts when coaches and I know coaches really aren't, aren't around right now but when OTAs begin is when they can finally put their eyes back on these players to see what they did in the offseason how they improved it, it's a fun part of of the offseason that's going to do it for a Monday edition of One Bills Live. Maddie, thanks for all your help these last couple of days. Steve Tasker will be back tomorrow for a Tuesday edition of One Bills Live where you will hear from Brandon Bean, who will be addressing the media, and some of the players back here at One Bills Drive for the conditioning program. We'll see you Tuesday at 1.